Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't be redeemed and keep it a secret. Don't be redeemed and be an undercover agent for the Lord. God don't need no secret agents. He needs you to say so. Say so. Now, here's the thing that you must understand. All of this truth is sitting on Old Testament foundation. And if you eat this New Testament truth without Old Testament foundation, your your boldness will turn into arrogance. Don't confuse boldness with arrogance. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can be what God says I can be. <laughs> so when you say you're hungry, you're talking to a God that never hungered for anything that he couldn't create. When you say you're tired, you're talking to a God that has never gone to sleep for thousands of years. But when you say in the name of Jesus, you're talking to the part of the Godhead that curled up with a pillow up under his head and slept on a boat. He can be touched by the feeling of our infirmity, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. This is the comfort that he gives to the naked me standing in the presence of God. He has exposed me with one verse and then he comforts me with the other. And tells me that I have a man on the inside who cares about my infirmity, my sickness, who can be touched, who has compassion about my problem, my, my vulnerabilities, my insecurities, my inconsistencies, my attitude, my disposition. And then he tells, can I go deeper? Can I go deeper? Seeing then that we have this great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. I couldn't hold on to it. It would have slipped out of my hands. It would have fallen away. I couldn't hold on to it because the other verse exposed my nakedness and my thoughts and everything. But he says, don't let go of your profession. It may not be your possession. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. It may not be your possession, but hold on to your profession of faith. Don't let go of it. Hold fast to that which you have. Let no man take your crown. Hold on to what I gave you. I know you don't feel like it. You don't look like it. You don't act like it. And I've been in your thoughts and I know you don't think like it. And I know you got thoughts in your head that contradict what I, but hold on to your profession of faith. Just keep on holding on to it. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can be what God says I can be. I can have what God says. I am the righteousness of God. I am free. Let the weak say, I am strong. Hold on! Even though you don't feel like it and you don't look like it, sometimes you don't think that you're strong, say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. I know the bill collectors are zinging all around your head. They're coming by mail. They're coming by email. They're calling you on the phone. You're scared to answer your phone. But keep saying, I'm rich. 
what I want you to see is the contradiction of the text. The contradiction of the text mandates that we hold on to our profession even in spite of the fact that we don't seem to possess that which we profess and all things are naked before him with whom we have to do. And yet he encourages us to hold on to our profession of faith. And in that inconsistency between the possession of it and the profession of it, we live between those two polarities. I, I am professing something that I have not fully possessed yet, and, and, and I, I am coming short of possessing that which I profess, and God says, don't stop professing it just because you haven't fully possessed it. <laughs> God said, keep on talking right. Even if you're not feeling right, even if you're not thinking right, even if you're not doing right, keep on talking right. Keep on talking. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Hold on. Good God of mercy. I feel like preaching. Lord, have mercy. Hold on. I know you're sick in your body and your pulse is weak. And the doctor says you only got four days to live. But don't say what he said. Say by his stripes I am healed. Hold on to your profession of faith. There's something about this profession that is so important that God wants you to keep talking up even though things are going down. Keep talking right even though your mind is going on a field trip. Keep on talking about power even though you feel weak down to your knees and you want to buckle and die and let it go. Hold on to your profession of faith. There's something about you saying it there's something about you saying it. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't be redeemed and keep it a secret. Don't be redeemed and be an undercover agent for the Lord. God don't need no secret agents. He needs you to say so. There's something about your profession of faith. Confession, confession is made unto salvation. Oh my God, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm teaching better than you responded. Confession is made unto to salvation if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart he is risen from the dead thou shalt be saved confession is important hold fast to your profession of faith I profess it even though I have infirmities that contradict my profession and I wonder will I ever possess what I profess hold fast to your profession of faith. Let's go into this word. Oh, this is getting good. This is about to get good. And, uh, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points. I don't have time to deal with that. But there are three basic points in which Jesus was tempted. There were certain incidentals that Jesus could not be tempted. He could not be tempted to commit adultery because he wasn't married. There were certain things that he couldn't do because his circumstance would cause him deniability, the inability to be able to relate to you. But to God, there are only three categories of sin. The details are irrelevant. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And that's why when Jesus went into the wilderness, he was tempted in three ways. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And when Adam and Eve were in the garden, the Satan slithered up to them, talking about the lust of the flesh. Look at the fruit. The lust of the flesh and then the pride of life, designed to make one wise. If you eat this, you're going to be smart. Aren't you hungry? There's only three categories. We get caught up in the details, but God deals with the categories. 
So when the Bible says he was tempted in all points, it's talking about all three categories and all the details hover up under the three categories. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yeah, yeah. So th because we get caught up in the details, we start looking at each other saying, at least I didn't do what you did. Well, what is the difference? I ate lemon pie and you ate cheesecake. It's got the same calories. Shut up. It's categories. The body processes it. It's the same. The same thing with sin. The details are not important. It is the care. The, the categories. Jesus was tempted in all points, but not with all things. Tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Somebody's getting a revelation right now. And then he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. So he says, just walk right up to God. Not on the strength of who you are. No, 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 no. Not in your own pride. But come boldly because you got a man on the inside. Go on into Egypt, Jacob. Go, come boldly into, into a country that you don't own or possess. Come boldly. And God's going to bless you because you got one of your sons is in there on the inside. A son who was rejected of his brother, who was sold for 20 pieces of silver, who was enslaved and then buried in a prison and then rose up with a gift and now is an intercessor on the inside. Oh, this story sounds familiar. This story sounds familiar. What happened to Joseph is a shadow of what happened to Jesus. Joseph was a type of Jesus. And when Jacob got ready to go, he was able to get in because he had a man on the inside. Let us therefore come boldly. To the throne. You must understand that when we start looking at this boldness, this boldness is an attitude that God wants us to come before him. God does not want us to come in sheepish and timid because I'm naked and I'm clothed and I'm a wretch and you've seen my sick places. God said, no, 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 because if you come in like that, that means you don't believe. You don't believe in Jesus who can be touched by the feeling of your infirmity. Come boldly like your relatives on the inside. <laughs> come boldly like, like, like your, like your mother-in-law does when she comes in your house. Because this is my son's house. And you have to tell her sometimes because she got somebody on the inside who's making an accession for her. When you got somebody kin on the inside, it gives you another level of confidence when you come in. That's my child in there. What you talking about? I can't come in. I can't get nothing to drink up in this month. You're going to give me something to drink today. My baby paid the water bill up in here because you got a relative. It changes your attitude. If you believe that you are loved by your kin, then you can come into a strange place with confidence because you got somebody on the inside. Oh, you ain't gonna put me out. That's my baby's house. Uh, you're not gonna put me out. My Jesus is on the inside. My brother, my bro, my brother's in that house. Wait a minute. That's my brother. You, you know how you had those family discussions. That's the kind of confidence that God wants you to have because that that compoly is an expression of faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ whereby you have access to a dimension of grace that you would never be able to stand in without him. Now, here's the thing that you must understand. All of this truth is sitting on Old Testament foundation. And if you eat this New Testament truth without Old Testament foundation, your, your boldness will turn into arrogance. 
And you'll think you can just do anything you want to do and come to the throne. You'll think you can live any way you want to live and come to the throne. You think you can live like the world and still get the benefits of the saints. And the schizophrenia that we see in the contemporary church is because we have embraced the promises of the New Testament without the apprehension of the Old Testament. It is in the Old Testament where you learn some respect. It is in the Old Testament where you learn some order. It is in the Old Testament where you learn some discipline. It is in the Old Testament where you learn some reverence. It's in the Old Testament that you learn not to come sashaying up before God in a spirit of arrogance. Don't confuse boldness with arrogance. I want to challenge you to continue to support the ministry. Because you know as well as I do that the ministry is not about pews and it's not about benches and it's not about stained glass windows or technology or any of the things you see around us. This is not ministry. Ministry is word reaching ear, power touching need, miracles touching mess. That's ministry. And there's nothing about this situation that can circumvent the ministry from reaching not only you and you and you and you, but people all over the world by the power of God. If your faith is invigorated, if your mind is renewed, if you've watched this broadcast and it's changed your life in any kind of way, then I don't have to tell you that it's good ground. And I don't have to encourage you to sow because you're too much of a Christian to cheat God out of the opportunity to pour out supernatural blessings in your life because we are coming to a time that if God doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. The just shall walk by faith. Glory to God. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Empathy strengthens kinship. you, You don't have to say the right thing. Just care about it. Cry with me. Be worried when I'm worried. Be frustrated when I'm frustrated. If you can be touched by the feeling of our infirmity that makes us kin, it's not skin that makes us kin. It is not skin that makes us kin. Because as old folk used to say, everybody's skin to me ain't kin to me. So it's not skin that makes us kin, it's empathy. We have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmity. I don't have to paint Jesus black. You don't have to paint him white with blonde hair. It's irrelevant because it's not about the skin. It's about being kin to me. Can you be touched by the feeling of our infirmity? So while we're having a a very juvenile argument over what color he is, we ought to be confident by what kind he is. Because <laughs> I've seen people that was the right color, but they still wasn't the right kind. Just because you're white, you ain't right. Just because you're black, don't mean we can hold back. We ain't, we ain't going to be together just because you're skin to me. Being kin to me is a matter of being empathetic to where I'm at. We, the Bible says we are bold. Because he has empathy, he can be touched by the feeling of our infirmity, tempted in all points, and yet he didn't do it. He, he didn't have the same experience. He didn't fall where I fell. He, he, he stood where I fell. He won where I lost. 
He was victorious where I was defeated, but he got close enough to it that he can be touched. Look at this. And the very fact that he relates to me, he said, when you come before my throne, come boldly because we connected. Come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Now listen. Now look at this. You are coming boldly to the throne of grace. Five. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Ithamar, Eliezer. Five. The throne of grace. You're coming into a realm of grace, which means you fell short of your profession because I don't need to come to the throne of grace if I possessed it what I profess I, then I don't need grace that means I earned it so the very fact that I'm coming boldly to get grace means that there is a gulf between what I profess and what I possess and yet I can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy I'm coming to get, excuse me, I'm coming, I'm coming, uh, I'm coming, excuse me, let me back, move over, scoot over, let me back, step aside, what do you, I'm going to get me some, some grace, mm-hmm, step, get, move, uh, uh, I need me some mercy. I need me some mercy and I'm going to come get mercy and I don't care what you say about me and I don't care how you talk about me and I don't care what you write about me and I don't care what you do to me. I'm going to come over here because it came to get me some mercy and I'm going to come boldly because I have a Jesus that can feel my sickness. Yeah, I can feel, he can feel my sickness and because I know he's related to me, I can come boldly. One of the things I love about my son, I'm going to use him in this illustration, not just because he's here, I would use him if he wasn't here. From the time he was born to the age he is now, he would always, I don't care if I locked the door, if I closed the door, if I shut the door, he would go to the door and he'd knock at the door. He's a little boy. He'd knock at the door. So yeah, that's right. He'd say, it's me. It's me to this day. I can't lock the door. He won't go. It's me. You know why? He comes boldly because he's kin to me. All of them are kin to me, but he has a boldness about it because he expects me to be glad to see him no matter what I'm doing because I'm kin. So he has received the kind of love that makes him bold. Y'all hear what I'm saying? It never crossed his mind that I wouldn't be glad to see him so, so he tells me, it's me. Because <laughs> if daddy knew it was me, I know he's going to let me in. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, but it's me. That's the way God wants his children to come into his presence. It's me. I messed up. It's me. I'm in trouble again. It's me. What you want, boy? I come to get some mercy. I need some mercy. I'm coming to the throne of grace, boldly to the throne to give me some mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So wherever you are, the enemy can isolate us, 
but he cannot intimidate us. Even though he seeks to separate us, he cannot discommunicate us because we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Even if the throne is in the kitchen, even if the throne is in the closet, even if the throne is in the bathroom, anywhere you come boldly becomes the throne of grace. It doesn't have to be this building to be effective. We've been here 25 years. This building only been here 15 of them. But, but, but we could come boldly to the throne of grace because it wasn't about a geographical location. It's about a spiritual ideology. When you come boldly, you can make the throne of grace in your car. I wish I had somebody in here that ever found the throne of grace while you was in the car. I wish I had somebody in here who knew what it was to have a worship service while you're driving. I wish I had somebody in here that knew how to have tears running down your face talking to your daddy in the middle of your car because it's not about the space. It's about the grace. Come on in. Come on in. Now that the world is on fire, come boldly. Now that the diseases are everywhere, come boldly. Now that COVID is spiking again, come boldly. Now that the economy is shaking, come boldly. Now that your rent is backed up, come boldly. I got you. I'll open up a door. Come boldly the throne of grace came to get me some mercy I came to get me some mercy you know now the old folks shop early in the morning before the other people come and they'll be on there and they'll be on scooters they'll be riding on a scooter and they'll be, they'll be on a walker and they'll be gathering up stuff I came to get me some lettuce and I needed me some milk and I needed me some cheese. God said I want you to go shopping I want you to come shopping early in the morning. I want you to seek my face early in the morning. See, come in the morning because my mercies are new every morning. Every morning. You don't have to worry about me running out. I'm going to put out some fresh mercy in the morning. So soon as you get up, my mercies are just as new as your day is. And he said, come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help. When do I need grace to help, Bishop? In the time of need. What time is it, Bishop? It's the time of need. What time is it in America? It's the time of need. What time is it in my house? It's the time of need. What time is it in my body? It's the time of need. What time is it in my business? It's the time of need. What are you going to do about it? God told me to tell you to come boldly to the throne. He is the king of your kings. He is the Lord of your lords. He is the sovereign power over every dignitary in the world. He is the one who rules and super rules. He's got the last say on every court case. <laughs> Hallelujah! 
He can overrule what the doctor said. And God said, if you don't like his verdict, if you don't like his decision, if you don't like his prognosis, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Get you some mercy. I'm going to get me some mercy. You go ahead and get you some gossip, but I'm going to get me some mercy. I ain't got time to be getting no gossip right now. This is the time of need. I got to get me some mercy. I got to get me some mercy. You know why? This is the time of need. If I close this message, I came all the way from West Virginia 24 years ago to establish a ministry that I didn't even have a name for that became the potter's house because I knew it was the time of need. This is the time of need. Right now. And I had to be in a place where the ministry was strong enough and the platform was broad enough that I would have a voice that would project loud enough for such a time as this. I, I got, excuse me, let me buy. Y'all keep on arguing, excuse me. I need to come boldly to the throne. I need, I need some grace. My cousin died last week and my other cousin's in the hospital. My phone is ringing off the hook with stories I cannot fix. It's me. Come on, let's go to the throne. Come on. I don't care what you did. I don't care how you messed up. I don't care how you got off the track. I'm not trying to judge you. Come on. Get you some mercy. Come on, get you some mercy. Come on, get you some mercy. Get you some mercy. Get you some mercy. Get you some mercy. Ain't, ain't no rich mercy and poor mercy and Democrat mercy and Republican mercy and millennial mercy and boomer mercy. That's just mercy. Come get you some mercy. Ain't no white mercy and black mercy. Come get you some mercy. Because this is the time of need. You are seen. You are known. You are loved. God fulfills this promise to all of us each and every day. Today, for your gift of any amount, you'll receive audio of Bishop Jake's amazing message, God Sees Me, as well as an exclusive set of God Sees Me holiday postcards. For your gift of $90 or more, you'll also receive our Hope at Christmas collection, including audio of Bishop's inspiring message, Hope for Tomorrow, as well as his book, Follow the Star, a compilation of Christmas stories that changed Bishop's life forever. For your gift of $150 or more, you'll receive our I Am Seen Throne Blanket, Deluxe Journal, and Glass Ornament, in addition to the Hope at Christmas Collection and God Sees Me Message and Postcard Set. Don't miss out on this powerful reminder that with God, you are never alone. Call or go online now to receive your bundle today. You are never forgotten. And out of the desert grows these palm trees for shade. Do you need shade? Have you been walking through the scorched, dry place of a pandemic? Barely making ends meet, 
watching the news every night, stressed out and at your wit's end, they sat under the palm tree. And there they rested. God is going to bring you into a place of rest. You will find that place of rest when you learn how to dance in the desert. Feel free to reach out to us on social media and share your story of how God is impacting your life. We look forward to seeing you next time on The Potter's Touch.